Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and as always, I am joined by my two handsome, intrepid co-hosts, Dave Glanz and Mike Mirandi. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello gentlemen. gentlemen. We are coming live from Dave's basement to bring you <laughs> <All right>. uh, <laughs> to bring you a, uh, a discussion and take on a classic movie. Uh, if this is your first time listening to this episode, and God, God help you if, God you, help if, you if it you is. If that's the case. Uh, you can find us on the web at reviewedpodcast.com, at facebook.com slash reviewedpodcast, and you can email us with future movie suggestions at contact at reviewedpodcast.com. And on today's episode, we are going to be discussing The Little Shop of Horrors. It all began in this little shop. Ow! Damn roses! Where, strange as it seems, something extraordinary happens. I'm afraid it isn't feeling very well today. No, it's not. What kind of a weird effect is that, Seymour? Little Shop of Horrors, a story about a boy. I've given you sunlight. I've given you rain. Looks like you're not happy. Unless I open a vein. Where did you get such a weird plan? A girl. A florist. I'm telling you, Audrey, he's not a good, clean kind of boy. He's a professional. You have a talent for causing things. People will pay you to be I've been saving all month for this. I think I need a root canal. I'm sure I need a long, slow root canal. And a plant. Feed me all night long. How am I supposed to keep on feeding you? Whoa! Horrors. Like, yeah, one two whore is clearly what that. Yeah, I um, uh, I have a speech impediment, which I, I no, no, it's just it's the word, it's not you. No, it's uh, <laughs> oh, it's boy. really bad with uh, words such as this because it always sounds a lot dirtier than I intended. A little to. shop of horrors. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, and this is a film that came out in 1986. It was directed by uh, Frank Oz. It is adapted from a off Broadway musical of the same name, which was also adapted from a Roger Corman film, which was uh, also adapted <laughs> from what? <laughs> I don't know, probably well, something. Uh, this is like a constant stream. Uh, constant stream of adaptations. Dave never gets Dave never gets my sarcasm if, ever. I don't think Dave has understood sarcasm ever. We could do a drinking game. <laughs> Take a shot every time Dave doesn't get one of my sarcastic jokes. We should jokes. make a drinking game for this show where um, there's a couple things. One, uh, where my speech impediment screws something up. Where Dave doesn't understand sarcasm. Where Dave is distracted by by any, um, anything, anything anyone's doing. Um, and. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that's common tropes on the show, but we'll get back. Oh, and where Mike is offended by the uh, cal- uh, the characters not being moral enough. So, oh, <laughs> right, yeah. right. There we go. <laughs> Me being pissed at an anti-hero. <laughs> so yeah. if we did that, we would have the uh, show in a nutshell. Anyway, uh, getting back online, this is a um, it's a musical uh, comedy, um, and like I said, it um, was adapted from an off-Broadway musical, but that w- that off-Broadway. Broadway musical was itself turned into a Broadway musical that has uh, since been popular. It's a show that's often performed by uh, community theaters and smaller theater companies because it mm. only requires like uh, it doesn't require that many major players. And then or all- like crazy 
props of like a giant articulated plant. Well, that's the thing with is tendrils and everything. I mean, it's very easy, very easy production to put the on. The special effects of this film, uh, we'll get into you that. Got me there. Is pretty impressive, but you know, if you're doing this in a, a stage or um, a, a community theater setting, you can easily do it in a more comical, cheap way without right. having to go into the. Well, detail. you can always buy buy an Audrey too now. I think they do sell them. And do they really? Yeah, yeah. You go down to Skid Row, they'll have a couple oh, okay. of clippings. Yeah. I don't get sarcasm either. <laughs> Flying under the, the radar. Sarcasm podcast with Mike Moran. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you being snarky about everything. <laughs> right, right. Just being an asshole. For, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So this was a choice that Mike made, and this is. Uh, this is like Mike's boner funeral because it has Rick Moranis yes. and actually, yes. yeah, I don't know. it yeah. is Rick Moranis and Steve Martin in the same film. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And We're a giant. Do My Blue Heaven next. And it's uh, a film that centers around a young man <laughs> named Seymour who lives in Skid Row of New York and uh, works for a flower shop that is making no money. He ends up cultivating a mysterious plant that uh, he discovers after a lunar eclipse, um, and that plant ends up having. Uh, a desire for human blood and flesh. Um, mm. That's basically the premise of the movie. Uh, the, yeah. Cor- the Corman film is very much a uh, grindhouse-style horror film, and this movie uh, being directed by Frank Oz with music and lyrics by uh, Alan Menken and Howard Ashman is much more a comedy uh, than it is a horror film. Like, you know, There are right. traces of horror in it, obviously, but it is definitely poking uh, for laughs. Uh, when the film came out in 1986, it was very well-reviewed. Um, and like I said, the, the musical has since gone on to an extreme amount of popularity. The Broadway musical is very successful when it uh, came out. So um, enough of me babbling about this crap. Mike, have you seen this film prior to this? Yes, and... but only like maybe... Go ahead. Oh. There's a part two to that one. No, I, I... Well, the answer is yes, you have seen it partially. <laughs> uh, but also, what are your thoughts on musicals uh, in general? Yeah. And how do you normally respond to yeah. them? Yeah, so, okay, so I, I, I saw the movie, um, I'd say, like, around, like, two or three years ago, maybe, once I started deciding, like, oh, I have Netflix. I should just look up things that I've always wanted to see and never actually got around to. Um, and it was one of those, I feel like it was a, quote-unquote, uh, cultural touchstone. That should be another one of our drinking games. <laughs> or the cultural zeitgeist, as it were. Um, and... Uh, I actually, I, I don't like musicals. Like half the time I can't understand what they're saying or it's just like, I don't know, I tend to just zone out during some of the songs. Like, because they're just, all Bollywood musicals? <laughs> that, might, that might have something to do with it, yeah. He only listens to German opera. <laughs> right, yeah, it's just, I can never understand it. It's like, speak English. I, so like, it's, it's um, I don't generally like musicals in the first place. Um, but I really like this one and I like the song. The songs are really good and the lyrics are great. And just everything. Um, so I'm gonna be yeah, a spoiler alert. I love the movie. Um, that's why I wanted to review it because I wanted to see what your guys' take on it was. Because um, I saw this recently, and I, I had not seen it when I was younger. I had not seen it in the '80s. I saw it. I said that three, two or three years ago. So, um, and I was also curious to see if, in the time between viewings, my opinion on it would change or if it would be less funny or whatever. But um, held up to uh, for me anyway. And um, I think I'll pass it to you guys because I don't want to just start going on about everything I love about the movie. But um, interesting question. I hate musicals. I should have hated this, and I didn't. Though it does have Steve Martin and Rick Moranis and a giant, awesome animated puppet. <laughs> Bill Murray plan. and Bill Murray, right? And Bill Murray and uh, Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, Christopher Guest. Chris- 
Wait, Christopher Guest? He plays the first uh, the first guy that comes in. Oh, visitor. Jeez, Hi, I couldn't help but notice that wonderful plant in the window. You have change for 100? No. I'll just <laughs> no, take twice sh- as many no, flowers. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Dave, what are your thoughts on musicals? Are you a big musical theater guy? And what do you think of this film? No, I really don't like Ooh. musicals. Mm. <laughs> Did you take me for a guy that likes musicals? You seem like that kind of guy. I just think what? that it, really? no, I just think. Why are you offended? I think no, I'm, I'm not offended. I'm just saying that, like, what, like, <laughs> did I say that? Have I said something in the past that made you think that, like, wow? Are you done imploding yet? Is, or is it my poster of uh, Chicago up there on the wall <laughs> right next to us? No, I just had this image of like I don't like musicals at I all, mean, and the, he like rips open his shirt and there's like a cat's t-shirt. <laughs> right. I did see cats actually um, when I was a kid. Cats. Oh, not ever. Yeah, ever I haven't. Uh, anyway, no, I don't know. I don't. I, I'm not a. I don't like. I don't, I'm not really a theater guy. I'm not really a musical guy, which is funny because I actually minored in theater in college. But <laughs> I think it was only because I actually wanted to understand acting to be a filmmaker. Know your enemy. Yeah. Uh, yeah yes. Know the, <laughs> know the enemy. Um, but uh, musicals have never been something that I loved. That said, I do have some movies that I love that are musicals like Singing in the Rain. Um I'm struggling to think of another one. <laughs> <laughs> Huge fan. Love them, though. Love them. Um, I mean, it, when, when I see musical sequences from older films with, with uh, you know, Gene Kelly or, you know, like an American in Paris or, um, God, who, are, who who's another famous uh, black and white musical? Uh, oh God. Danny Kaye? Not Danny Kaye. Uh, I, I, I'm Mary Poppins. Later. Dick Mary Van Poppins. Dyke? I do like Mary Poppins, actually. I, so, I associated, growing up, I associated musicals mostly with animated films, you know. Um, you like know, the like, Disney films. The Disney films that, that, we, mm. that we know, like uh, Cinderella or Snow White or, um, uh, you know. Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast. Aladdin, Beauty, yeah. Those, okay. those are movies that right. came, came after. Oh, I forgot how old uh, you are. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. after, well, after this movie, which is, which is, I think, Little Shop of Horrors is 1986, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so, no, I've never been much of a musical fan. That said, I, I do love Motown, and I love six, 50s and 60s stuff. So this kind of balanced out for me, for the most part. It has a sound that I don't really love, but I, it's like I love the sound of the singers in this movie, but I don't mm. love the, the sound of the production of the music that much. Um, so, uh, and, and musicals overall, um, I, I could go either way. So did you like the movie or not? I did like the movie. Yes. Okay. Well, he asked okay. me what my thoughts on musicals were. Oh, my oh, thoughts oh, on musicals oh. were that in general, if I go to a musical in, you know, that's live in a theater, I, I you save your money. I don't need a ticket. I mean, I, I, I can really just skip it. I, I know it, it's uncultured. I did see, swine. I did see Book of Mormon and, and enjoyed that. I'll see the, the occasional musical. Uh, and I'm interested. There's a musical now that's kind of a, a hot uh, commodity uh, called Hamilton. Have yeah. you guys heard of that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I it's supposed it, to be yeah. as great, and the music I heard has been, been pretty good. Oh, the so. music's amazing in that. So I would probably go to, to something like that. Uh, you never so often there's something that comes out where I'm like, oh, I gotta see that. Little Shop of Horrors. I remember. I don't even remember when I first saw it as a kid. Um, I just know that I saw it eventually. I'm guessing probably just on HBO, and uh, I liked it. Back then, and because uh, I liked it, you know, if you're a kid back then, you like Ghostbusters and Bill Murray. You like Steve Martin when you're a kid, the jerk. I mean, um, so you know, ahead in all the regular, you know, obviously Rick Moranis. Um, so I was a fan of this movie as a kid. Uh, you know, I found uh, man eating plants terrifying. Terrifying. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> the idea it is yeah, the idea yeah. of the idea of a plant that can eat something uh i th- i think have you guys ever seen the movie creep show 2 you no. you know no. that there's a horror anthology series called creep show there's creep show 1 creep show 2 and i think they were based on a mix of stephen king 
and Tales from the Crypt kind of stuff. There's a cartoon in one of them in which a, there's a giant man-eating plant, just like this one, you know, just like uh, Audrey 2. And there's just something I find, I, or at least at the time, I found completely uh, that was one of those things that would give me nightmares. I hated it. If I look at a Venus flytrap now, it still freaks me out. The idea of a, of a plant will just snap on a... I just, I don't know. Yeah, so so uh, that stuff. So my combination of being terrified of plants and uh, terrifying of <laughs> terrified musicals, of, terrified of musicals as well, <laughs> terrified of musicals, terrified <laughs> of plants. I guess it hit a kind of a. So I'm, I'm rambling on. I like this. No, movie. I, I like this movie about, well enough, and, and and really, this movie is worth the price of admission just for Steve Martin's bit with the uh, yeah. you know, Steve Martin's song. As uh, I think it's just called "I'm a Dentist." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Uh, First off, I'm glad we uncovered Dave's phobias. That's good. That's good. I wrote them all down. I'm um, going to have fun this year. So I am the sole musical theater fan of the group. I love oh. musicals. Um, but I don't love them on film. I love seeing them perform. I, yeah, agreed. It, agreed. It's, it's this weird thing where uh, the artifice of the stage allows the jazz hands and the random breakouts into song to somehow work. But like, if I see it in a movie, I'm like, this is stupid. Why are they singing in a movie? It's, it's, right. very, it's, a, weir- it's a weird disconnect. Um, so I don't, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of movie musicals unless it tends to be cartoon form like Disney mu- movie musicals. This film uh, I have never seen before prior to Mike suggesting oh. it. That being said, I'm familiar with the musical. I've seen it performed. Uh, I saw it perform at Ford's Theater a few years back. And I think I've seen it in a community production um, as well. So um, it's not that I wasn't unfamiliar with the story and the content. It's just I've never seen this particular adaptation of it. So in watching it, I'm quite a fan. I think it's a really good movie. Um, I think it is very stagey. It feels like a stage play put onto film, very much in the way it's set and uh, the way that even everything looks like a set that they're acting in. Like Nothing actually ever feels like they're really in New York City and Skid Row. It looks like a a set of Skid Row to me, Mm -hmm. and I think that's intentional. Yeah, Uh, I think something about that makes it feel more like... You buy, I, I buy into it more, I think, of the... Yeah, because it's yeah. Like, basically it's like if... Um, they have these things called like Fathom Events. Have you heard of this where um, they'll have like... Fathom state, Events? Fathom Events no. where movie theaters where, will show like a live production of King Lear oh. um, in a theatrical... Like they'll, they'll record like a London stage performance of Ian McKellen in King Lear right, and then right, right. they'll project it into a theater screen. Mm-hmm. And so this movie, while it has some interesting uh, jib and... Uh, jib work and camera work feels very much like that. It's like someone filmed a stage presentation of Little Shop of Horrors. I no, I think it's I, I would disagree because I think it, it actually can do stuff that a play couldn't do because there's a lot of different shots, a lot of very creative shots, and it's not just one wide shot the entire time where they come into it or they just do cut in. They no. actually have a lot of different camera moves and placements. And that is cuts. true. I mean, there is yeah. a ton of there's a like I said, there's a ton of crane work in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just think it's just something to do with the sets. Like the sets feel very stagey to me. Like they don't feel like they're intended to be a like that's never intended to be a realistic flower shop. It's meant to be a set of a flower shop. Mm-hmm. At least the way I look at it. Um, and in watching this movie. It's a, it's interesting. I want to discuss a variety of things about it. One, the alternate ending, which I don't know if you're familiar with. No. The actual, the way the stage play ends and the way the movie does not end. It's very different. Oh, um, okay. Uh, which I think is going to be interesting to discuss. And also, um, what makes a movie, like, we def- like you kind of touched upon this, Mike, and maybe you can go into it a, in a bit more detail. Why does this movie musical work for me when so many other ones don't? Like, a great example is I... You think did like it. I did. Okay. But, like, a movie like Les Mis, uh, which came out 
uh, <sighs> a, a couple years ago. I haven't seen it, and I want to, and I wish I had because well, I feel like it would better well, inform. I, I, Dave's I, rolling his I, eyes. Oh, I didn't see it. I, I quite. Oh, I, oh. I, I love that play, and I've seen it performed multiple times. But that movie did nothing for me. I'm just like, this is dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, and and I'm a guy who likes musicals, and mm-hmm. maybe it has to do with Russell Crowe sounding like a wounded animal. <laughs> but it, it has a lot to do with the fact that I just feel like that works better on stage than it does on screen. And I'm just curious, why did this w- work for me, and why does it work for you? You think if you're not a fan of musicals, I don't. So I think I don't normally like musicals because I just don't generally like the songs ever. Like just that genre. I think theater songs doesn't really ever. I, I don't know. Doesn't doesn't do it for me. You don't know, like um, a catchy jazzy song. It always sounds like corny and like. What well, is corny? Right, and I, I and like I just never like I don't know Greece. It's fine. It's fun to sing along to, but it's never going to get me in like my heart. You know, where it's like, yeah, that's a great ah oh, Greece lightning man. Yeah, um, and this one I, I think it doesn't do that because I I think it's so funny and silly that I, I'm not taking it too seriously and I let it kind of do it do its thing. Um, you know, I, I think I mean obviously I think I'm a little biased. I think you, get, you Steve Martin, and Rick Moranis, I think are fantastic, and I just like I like seeing those guys work. Um, I also really, really love just the puppeteering and the, the prop work. Just in oh, John Candy's also in the movie, by oh, the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oui, oui. <laughs> he, um, has John Candy ever been bad in anything? Like, I don't anything. think so. He, he's, not. he's great. He like I have never seen a role with him, and I'm like he steals the movie every time he's in it. Like, yeah, he's amazing. So anyway, um, sorry. Yeah, so so the, the prop work is great, but then like just Audrey too, in all of its multiple forms, like how they were able to take it in the very beginning and make it like really, really cute and how just as you're, as it's progressing, every time you see it on the screen, I was always like, oh my God, wow, it's big now. Okay, it's reached adult- adulthood. Oh no, now it's reached adulthood. Oh my God, this thing is as big as like the entire story. Like just how, and how detailed, like it didn't lose any of the detailing. Like if you look at the skin when it's a very small like pod, it's kind of like iridescent. And as it gets bigger and bigger, like there's veins underneath there, there's like leaf patterns. It's, like, it's such intricate work. And on top of it, it's not just like, on a hinge mm-hmm. where the mouth just kind of opens and shut like opens and shuts like a uh, like really a really good puppeteering oh barrier. the lips great. move yeah. it's very like the, it can smirk it can grin it can do it's very articulate and, I, mm-hmm. and just the puppeteering work and just I think probably some of it was animatronic too I'm sure maybe not I don't know um, but phenomenally done and I think that for me honestly I think that may be one of the biggest reasons because something in 86 we've seen some 86 movies and, and the prop work and the you know puppeteering work doesn't doesn't hold up and this holds up so well mm. to the point where I'm like I don't know how they did half the stuff they did like, yeah it's 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 almost incredible because it this may be the best puppeteering I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. You know I, what? It's so good I didn't even think about it, actually. When I was watching it, I didn't even think right. twice about the fact that this was a puppet that we were watching. Well, I mean, yeah. if you were to watch, if they were to remake this, which they're not, they won't, but like if they were That'd to remake... That'd be CG. It would be CG, yeah, course, and it definitely. wouldn't look nearly as good. No. Um, but you're right. There's a certain amount of detail. Like, it's not just the thing opens its mouth. Like, it, it smirks and wrinkles. And, and it can move, and, and they, it just, it's so, it, it's so expressive. I mean, there, there is some, I, I, it, the tendrils at some part look some parts look a little stiff and like whatever but that's that's nitpicking the plant itself the hero part of the plant like does what it's supposed to do yeah, yeah. Um, it is pretty incredible uh, and then when you pair it up with what's what's the guy's name oh geez seymour no yeah oh no no no, no. The, the 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 voice actor's name oh uh the guy from the four tops yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. his voice is perfect it is perfect and I just, he does such a great job of making this thing like charismatic and creepy and just like, theme is Le- Levi Stubbs. Is Levi Stubbs, yes. Um, yeah. So I think for me, I think those are the, the big things that I, I, that for me really do it. Um, uh, there are some things I think are weird and I'd like to talk about <laughs> sure. them. Like uh, Audrey's voice. 
Oh yeah. What what is the is the deal with oh, why really you talk like this? <laughs> Very it's impressive. Like, oh, it's so irritating. Oh, <laughs> and when she actually sings, like she's got an amazing voice. Uh, well, she's obviously putting that on, and I think. That, oh, I know, but wait, wh- why? It's a choice. Clearly, why they make well, that choice? I mean, and I, I have my theory behind it. So. Well, I mean, you kind of. I think you touched upon it, though, right? I mean, I think the reason you answered the question "Why does this work?" is that it's so overtly silly that the artifice of a movie musical works in this sense because it knows it's being ridiculous, so it's poking fun at itself, which is why I'm okay with them breaking out into song and right, like yeah. this. Um, and I think she's just adding to the over-the-top ridiculous. She does like the most ridiculous New York accent. You Damsel possibly- in distress. Like yeah. she's like the the definition of like female. She's in like need. a Looney Tunes character. Right, right. She's right. like olive oil or Bitty Boop or something. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, even her even her song where she's fantasizing about the perfect future is like ridiculously oh, yeah. like green on a set and all. Like yeah, so. Yeah. So I, I I think that's the reason why. Unless you had a different interpretation of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Dave. Did you find anything weird about the movie that really? Well, weird. I mean, the fact that there was a talking man-eating plant was kind of strange. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I don't. I mean, I agree. Her voice is is, is annoying. I didn't love that. Um, I felt uh, like Bill Murray's cameo was, um, for, at least for me this time, a little off-putting. Um, there's something about the. It's like well, it has no bearing on the plot. It's just yeah. like this weird like yeah, uh, so deviation. Bill, Bill Murray. So Steve Martin plays the. Um, the uh, the obnoxious uh, wife beating, not wife beating, but uh, girlfriend, girlfriend beating, beating. dentist, yeah. right? A tough guy, Sa- sadist tough, dentist, sadist dentist. Bill Murray plays his patient of his in one scene, and, and which, by the way, that scene like doesn't really does doesn't, nothing for the plot, yeah. but it's just it's just entertaining. It's it's, it's fun watching these two giants, comic giants, like yeah, go toe to toe. It is. As a kid, it, I just thought it was Bill Murray was being funny, and, th- and this time I thought, you know, we just we recently reviewed Groundhog Day, and that's that's an instance where I love Bill Murray. Uh, and th- this Bill Murray was a little too unhinged for me. No, I like this, this <laughs> Bill Murray better because I think there's something about it. I feel like he was he's operating on all cylinders, like he's yeah, he's I pushing mean, it right, but he seems so much more animated and alive. And it's probably because he's younger. I think the other movies he's tired and worn down I, by yeah. life. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but, like, six years. That's fast. Sad. Is it six years? Because God, he looks like it's later. like fifteen years later. He looks so much younger. Yeah, he does look younger, but he's not that much younger. Don't and, do drugs, and he's, kids. Uh, I don't know. I didn't love that part, but I did love Steve Martin's character. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's like a they play it like a sexual encounter, like a like yeah, a, like a right. encounter or <laughs> right. something. Right. And I, I, you know, I don't know. I. I, I I guess it felt a little out of place. For me. <laughs> it totally is. It's definitely out of place. It does nothing you know? for the plot. Like it's just. I feel like they just. Bill Murray's like, hey, can I be a part of this? I'm like, yeah, we'll throw you in for a scene. It'll be fun. So for me, that was uh, the only thing I could think of that was that was you know weird. But I mean, there's so much that I liked about the movie. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, like I said, the Steve Martin song about being a dentist is one of my favorite. Yeah, it's great. That's one of those things that I've every so often just brought up on YouTube. I'm like, man, I want to, I want to see that song performed again. I just love. The uh, choreography of that scene, how kind of violent and, and Steve, the way Steve Martin's able to work in a lot of his kind of Steve um, Martin phys- moves. physical yeah. shtick, you know, he's, he, the way he points and the way he bends his knees, it's a little Elvis-like. And, and it's, yeah, you're right, right. It's very know. dancey. It's very like he's doing twirls and then ripping people's teeth out. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, in a way that's not horrific because my girlfriend, I watched my girlfriend, she was like wincing at a lot of times. Anytime he went into someone's mouth, yeah. she would always be like, oh, uh, well, there's, this, don't there's actually this amazing shot that yeah, they, from uh, inside the mouth. Inside the mouth. Another great prop. <laughs> another, like, yes, another great puppet that looks like, real, <laughs> realistic and terrifying somehow. Um, so yeah, I love that stuff. And, 
I don't know. I mean, like, what else sticks out about this? About well, I think it's um, well. The one thing that I thought about when watching this film was it gets away with being incredibly um, dark, but also light about it. So let's let's talk yes. about what this movie deals with. It deals with misogyny. It deals with abuse. Uh, it deals murder. Murder. <laughs> it deals with uh, bloodthirsty plants. Like it does with like That's really specific, but yeah, but really dark, horrific things. Well, I think just the whole the whole Failing businesses, greed, <laughs> greed. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, any other movie you'd be like, I mean, anytime you put domestic abuse into your movie, it's like all of a sudden you've made a shift to mm-hmm. like, we're in a different territory now, but it's, it manages to be breezy about beating a woman up. Like it, yeah. it's, and I, and for some reason it works. And if you were to pitch me on, if someone came with me to me and be like, I'm going to make a musical about this, I'd be like, that's the dumbest idea <laughs> yeah, ever. It's weird. And I think the, the, the larger reason this film works is A, it doesn't take itself too seriously, uh, but B, it has amazing music performed by amazing actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we can't not talk about the work of Howard Ashman and Alan Menken. These are two uh, colossal giants who went on to do the two seminal Disney films. They did uh, A Little Mermaid, which was the start of the Disney animated renaissance. The Little uh, Mermaid. The Little Mermaid. The. The. Um, Not just any old mermaid. It's, it's the Little Mermaid. When I was um, a kid, my sister wouldn't let me play the Little Mermaid, so I had to be Mariel, the middle-sized mermaid, when oh. we were playing it. So huh. yeah, there okay. you go. <laughs> Interesting choice. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> John. I, I, not John. What's the guy's name? Uh, the prince. The dude never, never. Uh, prince Eric. Prince Eric was never an option. That was never. Uh, no. Didn't appeal to you. Wasn't your. Wasn't your. But you want to have a fish. When a fish have, body. When, when you have an older sister, you always end up playing the girl roles. Let me tell you. Mm. Um, she was Prince Eric. <laughs> yeah, it was real weird. <laughs> um, and then uh, the other. The other amazing thing is, and they went on to do Aladdin as well. And I believe. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to say Beauty and the Beast because they me, did that, not do Beauty and the Beast. Tim yes. Rice did Beauty and the Beast because Howard Ashman passed no. away. Howard Ashman passed away, and the film was dedicated to him. Yeah, and I don't think he did Beauty and the Beast. No, he did Beauty and the Beast. Oh. I, I was just reading about this this evening. I thought he passed. Oh, you're right. He did Beauty and the Beast. He died during Aladdin. Excuse right. me. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. Um, so, um, and he passed away uh, from AIDS, I believe. Yeah, Beauty um, and the Beast was the one that was nominated for the first animated movie nominated for Best Picture and like a bunch of songs. And But it's really interesting because the quality of their music is such that they, it is a combination of both music and lyrics and a certain synergy that works in a way that it's hard to, um, it's hard to put into words exactly, but it just, they're goddamn good like they they know how to make things funny in lyrical form and easy to understand and their songs are catchy as hell um like i was i was humming music from this for the next you know three days and they managed to do it all in a doo-wop like using right. a doo-wop yeah. lens like which yeah. is super impressive uh so i think that the large reason this works is the music is so good yeah. uh if the music like so I'm not a big Soundheim fan. Are you, are you a Stephen Soundheim fan? Probably no. not. You don't like musicals anyway, right? Um, but all his music just doesn't do anything for me, really. And I find that I find all his mo- uh, the movie adaptations of Soundheim musicals to to be lackluster as a result. Which ones has he done? He's like Sweeney Todd is a, a Stephen Soundheim musical. Oh, I kind of like Sweeney Todd. Um, it's just the music of that. Like I can't. Can you? I can't hum a song from Sweeney. Todd. No, no. I mean, I, I like the movie. I don't know if I like the music. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like meat pies. Yeah, I don't know if you want to go running around <laughs> humming meat pies. The wash pies in London. Like I don't know. Is that yeah. is that a song or I just make that up? I don't know. But I can hum a song from 
Little Shop of Horrors pretty easily. Suddenly Seymour. Yeah. Which you know is what my this sound, You know what this is? This perfectly paralleling our uh, Amadeus movie when we discuss the fact that like everyone knows Mozart's music, yeah. but they don't know Salieri's music. It's the uh, same thing. You think Sondheim and... Uh, Ashman had the well, same Sandman's kind of. Well, hugely famous though. He's like a huge movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, not movie. He's a huge musical name. Yeah, right? I, yeah, I know. I, but I, like, I, I, um, not really. yes, yeah, so that's not the same thing as Slayer. It's just a joke. Yeah, whatever. Also, I didn't Sondheim get is in a either. mental institution too. So. Wait, who is? No, he's not. See, I'm just kidding. You don't get sarcasm. <laughs> oh, ah, I see. Now I understand. <laughs> Maybe the overall conceit of this podcast is none of us understand <laughs> when the other people are doing. You think we know? We're all other. too good. We're too good. But I mean, suddenly Seymour is my favorite song in the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and suddenly Rick, and, Seymour. And Rick Moranis is a really good singer, which explains Stand why he's surprisingly, me. which yeah. is uh, explains how he okay. became a country. Seymour. Okay, all right, it's good. And that's actually not bad. Not too bad. Way better than me, that's for sure. Yeah, that, that, it's uh, great great music anyway. I'm so. always impressed when someone you know, you just hear them talk and suddenly they sing. You're like, wow, you can sing too? Wow. He's a musician. I mean, he's he's released a country album and he's right, also yeah. released a, uh, a a Yiddish folk album. So yeah. he's had... Called Grandma's... Um, Grandma's like... My Grandma's Brisket, I believe. Yes, that's what it is. Yes, yes. So, um, <laughs> and, and Steve Martin as well was a musician. He's a, he's an accomplished banjo player and yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So That's what he's doing now. I feel like he's only doing that, touring. He has a... He tweets. He has a band. He's he got has like... A, he has a musical that he um, he uh, is produced that is currently about to head to Broadway. That he, Oh, is that a shop girl? No, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was based on a book that he wrote, but uh, he's a he's a he's a freaking Renaissance man. But he has a musical, uh, a bluegrass style musical that he helped co-write uh, that is going to Broadway. Huh. Um, so yes, they're, they're all involved in that genre. So let's start talking about some. Other, let's talk about this alternate ending. Want to get into this? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay, so dig in. The ending of the musical and the original shot ending of the movie is. They don't kill the plant and they don't end up happily ever after. What ends up happening is Audrey one, Two? Audrey, Audrey one, one is wounded when she's in the mouth of Audrey, mortally mm. wounded. So Seymour, um, she ends up being eaten by the plant. Um, eaten or just wounded? Eaten, killed. Whoa. Um, she basically says, she tells Seymour to, as she's dying, to feed her to the plant so he can. Oh, he could use it to keep getting. To, so he can oh. use it. Um, oh my god <laughs> and then so overcome with grief I believe um, Seymour is eventually consumed as well uh, because he goes you know toe to toe with Audrey and ends yeah. up Audrey too and ends up being eaten and then um, the plant ends up taking over New York and um, <laughs> they, they you know uh, people take like the sproutlings of Audrey and it ends up spreading throughout the entire world and basically you find out that this plant's you know desire was basically it's an alien life being that was designed right. to take over the world. And um, in the stage play, this is a big moment because um, at the end of the play, they have, um, at least in my production, I think in a lot of big productions of it, they have like hidden um, Audrey's in the ceiling. So at the end, they come down over the audience, like they're oh, in the audience. Oh, that's good. So mm. like the final image is uh, of Audrey on top of the um, Empire State Building, like, you know, like King Kong moment. Mm-hmm. Like, so this is, this was filmed in the movie, this, this very cynical dark ending. Wow. And <laughs> it was so poorly received by test audiences. They ended up reshooting or, uh, it, it to its current ending, which is why the ending kind of feels rushed in a way. Like it's like, it does. And I feel like it's like it almost be better if they just blew up the plant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think actually, so for me, I, I, I feel like it's a, it's a big allegory for just, you know, I, oh, oh, okay. This is interesting. What is an allegory? For? <laughs> and now it's, it's something that represents something else. Like, no, no, no. What is parallel? 
<laughs> Sorry. Oh my god. Oh my god. Alisa, what is an allegory? Well, what is that, it? An there's allegory an instance where sarcasm. For? Oh, you didn't finish the question. Sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, hey, hey, it's a metaphor. Jack hey, it's kind of like a. Uh, it's like a metaphor. A simile is a comparison between life. It's like you and take ass. two things, you know, and you they, they kind of mean the same thing. Um, I, I, I think I, I, I guess greed is probably what I think it represents, right? And I think uh, they kind of touch on they talk about the word green a lot. It, it happens. It comes up in a couple different like. There's See, a I song. Have a different interpretations. This is oh, cool! It's cool. Let's okay. let's let's let's, uh, let's have an <laughs> an allegory off. <laughs> so or me, a meaning off. I guess I don't know. Um, so I feel like yeah, maybe greed, maybe the idea of of, of success of the American dream, whatever. Because they try and, to monetize the plant. Well, I, I just, I look at what's his name. I feel like he's willing to sacrifice his own blood, which, I mean, self-sacrifice, like working hard is very different from giving your blood to the planet. Like it's, it's actually very twisted when you think about the fact that he's feeding it its own blood from his fingers. And like there's points where he's begging it, like, hey, please give me some more time. Like, we'll start on my left hand again tomorrow. I just got to get my blood back. Like, that's like really dark. It's, it's jokey and funny, <laughs> but like it is a horror movie. And I think like they're, they're treating it lightly, but... Um, the fact that you know the whole thing is it's his desire for success and for power and for all that kind of stuff and how that kind of goes out of control like it drives him to essentially murder and mutilation and all this kind of stuff and I think at the end it's almost you know it, it seemed kind of cheap that like he never has to pay for all of like the the sins he commits in a way like he chops up a body and he kind of throws his I mean you could always rationalize it right you could well he was already dead you may as well have just chopped I mean, chopping up a body with an axe is a horrific act. Mm -hmm. Um, ask Robert Durst. I'm guessing. <laughs> right, so, so it's like I, I think it, there's something about that that in the end I was like, oh, and he kind of gets all the wonderful happy ending, even though he did all these terrible things, right? Um, I, so that's why I kind of like the ending almost as a tragic tale of like, you know, you can't oh, ever do evil. It's it's basically kind of like uh, Breaking Bad. It's the idea of trying to do the wrong things for the right reasons, and can you ever do that, or well, does it come back and bite you in the ass? So. Um I can't take credit for this. Literally, with a giant plant. Literally, we'll bite you. <laughs> uh, I can't take credit for this. Um, Matt Kelly, who we've had on this podcast before, is a huge fan of this movie, and we were talking about it on Facebook. It's like one of his favorite movies. Where is he oh, yeah. this evening? That's right, he was going to call him. I don't him. know. He's busy. Whatever. Mr. Kelly. <laughs> what a jerk. Um, <laughs> I can't take credit for this, but he was talking about how if, you, you, if the original ending stays in place, the movie's more impactful, because it's a movie about how you can never escape your status essentially and i think it's interesting the blood thing you're talking about i agree with you that it is very intentional that like he's literally giving his blood like he's working you know it's like when someone's like put his blood and tears into something right right to make, to, to, it, okay so i i take it this is gonna sound it's gonna be too political and i, I apologize oh, i take it almost <laughs> into this idea that america sells the dream that the poor poor people can if they just work hard enough and just struggle hard enough they can reach a new echelon of, of right. they can get out of Skid Row. Right. And this movie is a dark reminder that there are some people that will never leave their station in life. And no matter what, they are always bound by uh, who they are and where they're from. And they, yeah. they don't have Especially with that whole song in the beginning when they talk, they, they address that. It's a well, major and, piece and that, of and that's the why, movie. And yeah. that's why that song Skid Row and even... It's just important uh, to the movie, yeah. It, but it all, see, the problem is the the song Skid Row at the beginning only works if the ending's not happy at the end. But now here's the thing: take let's let's think about it. the ending is happy on a superficial level. What's the last shot of the movie? We see a little plant budding in their own happy, you know, idyllic world. So in some way, it's kind of like the, I I think it's kind of hinting on the fact that like the problem's not it's not solved, right? Like there's still going to be issues. They're still going to have issues that plague them, um, either from the things he did, you know, on a concrete level, or just the fact that like. There is no such thing as an American dream or there's no such thing as a perfect life because you have this set that's very clearly 
made to look like this wonderful, like perfect, like cut out trees and picket fence. But even there, it's kind of like almost like what we did, what we talked about with um, Blue Velvet, the idea that like of, of there's something sinister lurking just beneath, just out of the frame. You know, there's this little tiny, cute little funny plan. Ha ha. Oh, wow. They didn't kill it. Ha funny. But if you think about the meaning behind that, like it's kind of twisted. That, that David that, Lynch's Little Shop of, little, little shop of Horrors. Yeah. <laughs> there's that, a movie that I want to <laughs> Well, I mean, Dave, what do you think? I mean, is are, do you take any greater meaning of this or is it just a fun good time? No, I don't, I don't take any greater meaning of this. No, of course not. Of course I mean, not. You idiots, you have this conversation. <laughs> well, no, you I mean, and your allegories. It, I mean, I, in my opinion, it's not meant to be, uh, you know, more than just um, uh, a little morality tale, I guess. I mean, it's, you know, just, just like, just like any, it has to have a story with characters you care about and it has to have some kind of conflict. So, you know, beyond that, I don't think it, I don't, I don't think there's any greater meaning, you know. That is I, amazing. You just boil it down. You're like, stuff happens. There's people in it. <laughs> it's a movie where things happen. Well, I mean, you know? the story is good it. enough. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's good enough to get from point A to point B. And then, you know, it, 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 it's really just a structure for them to have, uh, you know, some pretty great music and some pretty uh, funny dialogue. You know, I mean, actually, guys, I just real quick, I just misused the word allegory. It actually is not. It's because an allegory will be a story about something else yes. specific in parallel. So it's actually just symbolic was the word I was looking for. So yeah, <laughs> make fun of batting me. a thousand over here, Mirandy. Nice work. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think that the story of a of a poor kid who's struggling to. I mean, that that story's been used a thousand times. I mean, I mean, I just recently I rewatched Ratatouille, for instance. You know, oh, that's so good, uh, mm. which is a great movie. Yeah, and uh, you know that has the same uh, kind of idea where you know it's this this uh, you know the this guy who's not a very good chef uh, finds a way to, you know, he, he becomes friends with a rat, right? Have you seen Ratatouille? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so, you know, in this case, he becomes friends with a man-eating plant and the, and the man-eating plant helps him, you know. Except uh, that the rat is not asking him to cut off bits of himself and feed it to him. No, that's true. But it's not <laughs> this called, is a, It's actually it's a friend. Called, it's not called Little French uh, Shop of Little French Restaurant of Horrors. It's called Ratatouille. Which actually literally <laughs> translated means little oh, French little, restaurant of horrors. Oh, yeah. God. Did you know that? It's My crazy. French, all those French lessons have gone to waste. Okay. So getting about the deeper meaning of this movie that Dave completely <laughs> issues. Well, um, just you can set this one out. We got this. No. Um, so I think it's really interesting. You brought this up, Mike, about the idyllic life that she's presenting in that song. Right. Um, Somewhere Green. Or someplace green. Someplace green. Somewhere green. Somewhere. Um, that song. Somewhere green. She's, no. she's picturing the most... Basically, what she's talking about in a very loving and affectionate way is the most banal, boring American suburban life imaginable. Right, and, and there's something terrifying about that, right? Like that she's excited about living a life of like nothing thrills her more, or she dreams of more than sitting and watching TV and eating a TV dinner. Like, and that I think is like the worst aspect of American society. Maybe, maybe now, right? But I think at the time that was. You know, we always talk about the American dream. That was a perfect portrayal, and it's done tongue in cheek. You know, even she kind of reminds me of Betty Draper, which obviously oh, of course, came of much, course. much later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a bunch of different media, a different medium. But you know, I, I pictured her. I pictured like you could see the the house that they were in was just like the first couple seasons of Mad Men, where you know uh, those characters are living this kind of Id- idyllic life. Yeah, in, and I, I think here it's it's trying. I don't think it's necessarily trying to paint that in a bad I think it's almost like haha remember when this was the, the American dream like I never wanted this I mean even down to the fact that like they go into their bedroom and they have separate beds like yeah. like it's totally <laughs> making a joke at like the you know, 1950s dream of what they, everybody wanted they want to have a stable happy family with you know and something about that is actually you know that's kind of nice it's kind of sweet that that was everyone's greatest ambition and that's what all they wanted they didn't want to be a mogul of a company making you know mm-hmm. billions of dollars a year so I think like um, 
I don't necessarily think they were doing that for, or, or dark. I, I, I didn't feel dark about it. I didn't feel anything dark about that. I felt like that was like, oh, that's cute. That's what, that's what she wants. She wants to get out of the ghetto. She wants to have like her own house, her own yard, which are things we take for granted. Um, and I, I think that's kind of like, what you know, that, that worked for me on that level. I don't think they were trying to make that look negative. Oh, I thought they were trying, well, I guess maybe I took it too far, but I, I, I imagine they were trying to skewer this idea of, why I, I that's paradise? Yeah, I, and I agree, but I think I think also because of the time period, that's what it, it's accurate to the time period. And I think they're they're doing it like joking around, where you're like, ha ha, ah, the good old days, you know. But well, um, I don't think they're doing it to make fun of it. Like, like they're not doing it to make it horrific. Okay, fair point. That's you know that's our character's goals, and that's like their paradise. Yeah, it could so. just strictly be a comedic thing. But there's always something about that, um, and maybe this is because I've read too much, like. Um, Who's the, the writer that uh, John Cheever, he's like a famous writer that all his stories focus on like taking the Amer the American ideal, but always like telling like the seedy, dark underbelly stories of that. So like John Cheever does that a lot. Tom Parada is another author that does that a lot. He's a guy that wrote Election and um, mm. uh, Little Children leftovers. and Leftovers. Mm. So he always paints um, stories in similar lights where he's like, here's a typical suburban life and here's all the really effed up stuff that goes on yeah. that uh, just underneath the surface. But he does it in like a light, with a light comedic touch. It's very interesting how he totally does that. Um, uh, I want to talk a little bit about race in the movie uh, after our discussion of do the right thing last time <laughs> but very similar movies very similar <laughs> well they, I, in some ways no I, I, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not entirely joking when yeah. I say that yeah, both it, about it communities and, yeah. And, yeah. And, and having a shop <laughs> and having I mean how much different is Mr. Mushkin from you know uh, the, Sal from yeah Sal's, right? it, oh my God. it's basically <laughs> Sal's pizzeria all over again someone someone out there needs to mash up the two movies <laughs> yeah well I mean it, is it interesting to you that the, is it intentional that the all the chorus girls are Black is that just you can because? Say that. It's okay. No, is that is that just because it's supposed to be like a doo wop musical and they're trying to do Motown style music, or is there something yeah. beyond? Is that it? Is there no? I all? think so. I think the, the fact that it takes place on Skid Row and there's you know, you know poor poor people and and uh, you know you associate doo wop music with you know kind of um, urban settings, urban settings and and uh, yeah, I mean it's it. Works, you know. When you think of do what music, you, you rarely think of white singers. I guess I guess the, those characters are interesting to me because they're like a Greek chorus in the sense that yeah, they know totally. more. Yeah, they know right. all. They right. know more than all the characters in the movie. And are we supposed to view them as like omniscient characters? Like, yeah. Are they supposed to be? Um, do the other characters know that they're there as characters, or are they strictly there for the audience's benefit? I, I think it, it's it serves the purpose of the Greek chorus, and I think they're doing that as like intentionally. I think you know. Yeah, I just really, to add atmosphere, mood. It's been. It, this shows you how long it's been since I've seen this movie. But I really appreciated the names of those three singers. Wait, what were they? They were uh, Ronette, Chiffon, and Crystal. Which in are real the, life or in the movie? In the movie. In the movie. How that's do you that's know what the that? names. Because they, that's what they called each other. Oh, right. And if you you can when they're when they're on the street and they're like in yeah, like the the like school someone uniform? yells someone yeah. else Ronette you know blah blah blah. blah. You know, the Ronettes were a famous 60s girl group, and, uh, and so were the Crystals and the Chiffons. Oh, nice. oh. <laughs> so, that's pretty good. So there you go. I think actually that's a pretty good but I, I don't look think into. It's, I don't think it's just, I mean, there's a little, there's, uh, you know, I would say Bill, uh, Steve Martin's character is like a rockabilly kind of Elvis right, character. Right, greaser. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think they're trying to, uh, you know, put different mu different musical styles, and mostly doo-wop and Motown, but, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of some other elements, I would say, in this. Um, you know, and what would you call uh, the, the stuff that Rick Moranis sings? I mean, that's that's more typical 50s musical Gene Kelly kind of stuff, you know, over the top. 
mm-hmm. you know, romantic and lush kind of kind of. But even that scene where he talks about how he bought the plant, how like it's so over the top, like the mean him. green mother from outer space. Song. No, no, no. When he talk, when he, when he says like how he found the plant, he went to the Chinese guy's oh, shop, right, and how yeah. he's like doing this really ridiculous walk, and then they yeah. stop and they like look at each other, they shake hands, all exaggerated, and then he like strides on oh, back, yeah, like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing, nothing, nothing's played for realism here at all. And no, right. Yeah. I mean, speaking, of, oh, so the Mean Green Mother from Outer Space stuff was pretty terrific. I mean, that that yeah. performance was. I think that was one of the songs that was nominated for an Oscar that year, oh. and that, that's a pretty uh, terrific just scene in general yeah. where, the, where the two are like yelling at each other. I, I keep thinking, why isn't Audrey just eating him? You know? Right. <laughs> it's like that's something I was wondering too, and I'm wondering is he still not strong enough where he needs the? the I help guess he still to, needs the help. Yeah. But I think that's. I think that song is kind of like his rise to power i think at that point he's decided like you know what i can do that. i broke out of my pot mm-hmm. i have all my little seed pod buddies i think i can just, I can just eat them now i think so i feel like it's just him taunting him like no, right that was later eat i think that was later in the, in the movie. yeah the mean green mother's mean green mother's right before he gets steve martin and uh or right tries before to he feeds him orin yeah no and, uh, yes. there's another song what is he singing at the on. end then i don't know there's another song at the end where oh boy <laughs> where he song does that. list here we go no he doesn't reveal he's from outer space until the end hmm I don't know. There's but something else. I think it's maybe it's maybe you're right. Maybe being Green Mother from Outer Space is, is, is the, the one at the end, and then Feed Me. Is feed me. Yeah. yeah. Feed me. See it's more. Get, it's get it. Feed me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. I think supper time. Hmm. Yeah. I'm hope I'm hoping you can play. One yeah. Because at that point, so for <laughs> for Feed Me, he's still not strong enough to get out of his pot. So he doesn't depend on him to get him the. But then by the end of it, he's like, all right. Here's, I'm good. Here's an interesting tidbit. Uh, Martin Scorsese was almost going to direct this movie. Could you oh, imagine no. Uh, what, what? What's wrong with that? No, I, I like Martin but not. I, I, I just, the tone would be so. It would be a lot. It, it definitely I, it would, would, not would not have, would not have the charm. Writing. Well, who better to direct a movie with one of the best puppet performances right, ever than Frank than Oz? Frank Oz, the man yeah, who oh, gave yeah, us makes, some, makes, the greatest puppet. It makes so much sense yeah, that he's yeah. the guy that directs this. And yeah. it has a really fun. Um, has he directed anything else? Yes, he has. Yeah. I think he, he directed. Just, what about Bob? Right. He's directed. A, he just directed a movie uh, last a couple years ago, like Death at a Funeral. I think yeah. he directed. If uh, I'm not mistaken. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which was turned into, into a, a state mu- musical. Yep. Okay. What about Bob? In and Out with uh, Kevin Klein. Oh, In and Out, another musical lead. No, there's no musical. That's just isn't there a big? There's a Kevin Klein dance sequence. In yeah, that yeah, movie, yeah. I think of. Um, no, the. Um, and of course, he's the voice of Miss Piggy and Yoda. <laughs> and yes, Grover and yes. multiple other it's Yoda. In, it's interesting to he me. Just said that. Yoda, Miss Piggy, Kermit, isn't that Frank Oz? Uh, no, it's Jim no, Henson. That's Jim Henson. Damn it! That's <laughs> all right. Is any of the others? Is any of the other systems? That's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> is that Yoda or Miss Piggy oh, or both? It could be any. Was it their it love child? No, I, I never realized. It could, be Gro- it could be Grover. It could be Miss Piggy. It could be Yoda. Yeah, it's a universal Frank Oz voice. That was, was. A, a melage of all three yeah. characters. I wonder if he just directed. If he just directs that was like that. Yoda doing an impersonation of Miss Piggy. Right, right, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> or vice versa. No, this is the part where you are by the plant. <laughs> oh my god, that is terrifying. <laughs> oh boy, we've just lost so many viewers. No, I think there's a lot of great visual um, transitions and gags in the movie, like with the water. Uh, 
in the opening puddle of the... Yeah, it's very and, cool. And then when I think someone's about to throw up and they show like water... The bucket of water. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, the movie is very creative visually in a way that feels very cartoony and slapsticky uh, that actually works very well in the tone of the movie and somehow allows them to do a movie that has all these dark topics. Like there is a man cutting another man using an axe, like the body parts of another yeah. man. And that is still somewhat light and comical. And the, to, to hear... Uh, you, hmm. we were wa- I was watching this... No, well, I was watching this with my wife. She's like, oh, we could show Max this movie. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> no. no, no. I mean, the sight of legs sticking out, like, sticking out of the plant's mouth. Oh, God. I mean, that like, will, yeah, that she's will like, ruin it's so you. much fun. There's the dancing, and I'm like, there's an axe. <laughs> he's cutting him up, and he's feeding him to another man. Although, another interesting <laughs> thing I found out this evening is that they, uh, there was a Saturday morning cartoon yeah, where Audrey Audrey uh, too is a good guy, right? She yeah. just like she just wait says, what? Yeah, and the, the, they they gave the plant eyes, so it looks like no. it looks like an alligator slash plant or something. And it um, oh my god, I think I remember this. It, it was it, just called it, Little Shop, and, this, and everyone's like a little kid, of course. And, uh, and yes. it just needs to eat things, and uh, it doesn't yes. need to eat humans. It just needs to eat like meat. Yeah, and it says feed bring me it up. A lot. Let me see. Uh, little Shop, Little Shop. Uh, my phone's about to die. I would do it on my phone, but. Little Sorry. shot musical. Uh, it's great. Morning. Great radio. Guys, I, I can narrate. <laughs> Dave and Ivan are both furiously typing away. Oh, I got it. Oh, oh got Ivan it. wins. Dave, so close. <laughs> I can show you what it looks like. Here's the... Uh, no. It has the oh. same Mushnick name. Oh, Mr. Mushnick. Howard uh. Ashman.com. Okay, so, yeah, hmm. look. Here's a... There you oh. go. Oh, there's no. There's the guy. No. Oh, He's it's a, so terrible. <laughs> I, I remember this. <laughs> it's like uh, Schoolhouse Rock. No. You don't think so? Oh, this is so 90s. It's great. So just imagine that this was the music in the movie. No. <laughs> it's just, but the fact that the, this really... It sounds like little, uh, it sounds like the opening, but in living color a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, the fact that they could make a, um, a kid show off such a dark... Again, there's something about this film that somehow transcends its dark subject matter. It's like they can't... Like, we don't take it at face value when we probably should. Like, the, well, well, whoever thought this, like, oh, we'll make a kid's movie out of this, a kid show out of this. Unless you're terrified of man-eating plants like I was. <laughs> yeah, like when we watched it, so my girlfriend watched it and she said like, oh, it was, it was good. It was cute. It was very, it's kind of like a guy's movie. I'm like, yeah, well, they do deal with murder and stuff like that. And then I was well, like, wait a, a second. guy's movie. Well, then I said, like, then I said like well, actually, no, it's, it's, it's a horror movie. And I didn't even think about it. I went through the whole thing thinking it was like a comedy musical, and I thought about it. I'm like, no, it's actually it's a it's a comical horror movie, but what? I mean, it is called Little Shop of Horrors, right? I know, <laughs> I know, Dave. I know. With blood. In fact, I think the only blood you actually see in the movie is the blood dripping from his finger into the plant. That's they true. can never right. actually show any. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Any, well, I mean, we're gonna follow up this episode with the Rocky Horror Picture Show and just do every musical with the word horror in the title. No, yes, okay. yes, right. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So, in general, um, I think it's a pretty damn good movie, and I think it really holds up. I think that the I haven't seen a movie we've done on this show where the special effects look as good as this for a movie this old. I agree. And um, I think this is the one that... that, that yeah. This is one where I Impeccable. very rarely notice the seams. Only at the end, I guess, when you saw the uh, the tentacles. But other than right. that, up other until that, that point... Yeah, very, very well done. So, um, And even the design of it, too. Like Not only the execution, but the design is phenomenal. And the music is obviously still good and catchy. So this is one that I think totally, if we're, you know, what is the conceit of the show? Does an older movie hold up? Yeah, this one definitely does, yeah. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So a good watch, a good sit, mm-hmm. as Dave Chen from the Slash Filmcast would say. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, 
Mm. Any final thoughts on this film? Do you want to pontificate on how Rick Moranis has the greatest look of shock? Like, he can do a shocked face better than any actor. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> he's made for it. He was born uh, shocked. He's got kind of a hang, like a, this dopey uh, kind of hang yeah, dog yeah. mouth and, and big eyes and the big glasses. It's and lovable. And, like, so, yeah. totally, he's kind of cute, nerdy. Yeah. He, but looks like, like a, like he looks like a living cartoon character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, he's got these exaggerated, he's got these big eyes, he's got this exaggerated, you know, facial features. So he's just, yeah, he's perfect for this it's kind great. of great. Yeah, if, if, I, if I wasn't a fan of Steve Martin and Rick Moranis before and this movie would have done it, um, I think the two of them, great. My, uh, not like Dave. Dave. <laughs> no, not really. I mean, I think that, you know, it's it's a fun movie. I, you know, I think that, uh, you know, it, it definitely holds Go up. on the shelf? I don't know. It, it maybe. I don't know. No. Maybe the second tier. <laughs> See, Dave I don't really... can't enjoy things. Like, he just doesn't <laughs> like things. I mean, the thing is, is like, it's I can just get on... deeper y- meaning. No, it doesn't have to have deeper That's usually meaning. me, though. Dave's always the one that, like, will watch a Coen Brothers film and be like, it's great, it's a masterpiece. And I'm like, what? this is crap. What? 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 You like the Coen Brothers? <laughs> no, no, they're okay. Oh, I'm thinking of. Uh, sorry, I'm thinking of Tarantino. 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 Sorry, but, sorry. But that stuff is those are masterpieces. They, anyway. They're okay. They're not okay. Bad. Well, no, all right. Whatever. All right. All right. There's no singing in uh, Pulp Fiction. I'm sorry. Mm. Um, there is dancing. Though. There is dancing. Though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have that much to say uh, uh, beyond 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 the fact that I mean, this movie is. But you liked it though, huh? Is a good movie. I mean, it's good. You know, it, it's I think it's representative of its time. It has. Uh, you know, if you really want to see kind of a time capsule of, of the 80s and, and people who are some of the biggest stars of the 80s and uh, that kind of, you know, in the 80s, I always feel like nostalgia has a shelf life of, of like, not a shelf life. Nostalgia is like a, like a 20 year thing because, you know, 20 years after when you're a kid and you see something, you're like, you, know, you start to remember things when you're like in elementary school, middle, middle school age. And then you go on to have a career. And if you're a creative person and you start making things, whether it's music or movies or writing or whatever, um, and you're fond of things from your childhood, it's usually about 20, 25 years before. So, you know, in the, in the 1980s, people were really kind of nostalgic for the 60s, which is why you saw a movie, you know, uh, you know or in the 70s and 80s, I, I should say, it would be 50s and 60s, which is why something like Happy Days and, you know, a lot of right. uh, Grease, yeah. Grease yeah. And, and those those kinds of things. Well, that's a good point. You know, and, yeah. and uh, you know, just and a few years ago, the 80s were kind of like, you and know, now they're and, still big. And yeah. now we're at this point now where pop culture is all reminiscing about the nineties, which right, is real right, interesting. Right, like Jurassic Park and stuff. Right? Well, and the fact that we have a full Jurassic house, World. a new full house, <laughs> right, God, right, a full house series. Yeah, Even so. motion design is starting to go back to a lot of like the nineties cues, a lot of the flatter stuff and like the squiggly lines and stuff. So yeah. it, it is very interesting. That's that a good point, Dave. Well, that's pretty profound. Ah, someone well. who could have found <laughs> meaning in something. You really pulled that one out. There of it ass. is, Dave. Way to go. Well, this is why we have you on, man. That was a good nugget. <laughs> Um, Nostalgia, folks. I think that's a good way that's to end it. It's an important it. thing to think about. Um, well, this show's kind of based on the is, idea yeah. of nostalgia and how that affects our viewing of movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Mike, where can mm. people find you on the internet? You can find me at uh, MikeMirandi.com or on Twitter at MikeMirandi um, or on Dribble. That's Dribble with three Bs slash MikeMirandi. David. Dave Glanz on Twitter, G-L-A-N-Z, DaveGlanzProductions.com. And you can find me at Lucky9Studios.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Ivan Kander. That's K-A-N-D-E-R. And I write and edit for website. Mike, what is it? Shortoftheweek.com. Oh, yeah. the morning to you. There we 
go. Um, short, that's short of the week.com. We can't even understand what we're saying anymore. It's like <laughs> terrible plug. <laughs> like, the, 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 uh, the impersonation of the accent has become so exaggerated. Short of the week! <laughs> <laughs> that it has no context or meaning anymore, which is fantastic for someone. Like, I'm now basically saying short of the week.com. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that would be a good website. So, buy, buy it. Buy, buy it that right domain. now. Buy it. <laughs> How do I not have that domain? That's <laughs> right now. Um, if you if this is your first time listening to this episode, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. And uh, that always helps. Um, we recently got a review from a, a good buddy of ours. Not actually, we don't know the guy, but now he's Jimmy, a good friend. Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. Yes, hi, Jimmy. Said Jimmy. this is a great movie, a podcast, great podcast about for movies. movies. But we can't understand <laughs> five stars. Sar- this is a podcast about movies. <laughs> I think it was a sarcastic review. We I think can't he gave understand us- sarcasm. So <laughs> it was a five star sarcastic review. Like, yeah, great podcast, guys. <laughs> Why did he type Jimmy twice? <laughs> just typed it once. <laughs> Jimmy. Um, so there you go. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at Facebook or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash reviewed podcast. And you can email us at contact at reviewed podcast.com with your movie suggestions. Uh, Dave, what are we doing next? We are doing The Silence of the Lambs. And what is the connection? Howard Ashman, Alan Menken did the uh, music for Silence of the Lambs. And also (laughs) Eating People. Eating People. Oh, yes. Good. Good point. That wasn't the the connection. No, that wasn't the connection. They were known for Beauty and the Beast, and uh, that came out the same year as Sounds of the Lambs, both nominated for Best Picture. Huh. Uh, that's, oh. I like my eating people connection. And, <laughs> and eating people. Um, <laughs> I thought you were going to do Crouching Tiger because the new one came out on Netflix recently. No, but maybe you should. <laughs> it sounds like next. you want to next time. You're up next. Uh, is that movie like three hours long? It's also no, not really super... Crouching Tiger? It's been a really long time. Is it no, old enough for us not, to actually... It's definitely not that long. It's been a while, uh, right? Actually, it's probably like 98, 99, right? Yeah. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Anyway, Sounds of the Lambs... Get on 25th it. 25th anniversary this month. Oh, or we last to, month. Oh, we missed that. Well, well ah, done. Yeah. I mean, if only we had yeah. some type of professionalism on this show. Oh. Um, so thanks so much for... Mm-hmm. Uh, it was still popular in March, so... Mike, uh, leading us out, can you just do give me a little bit more of Audrey 1? That was pretty okay. good. Audrey 1 or Audrey 2? <laughs> That's no, Audrey I 2. More? I want Audrey 1. Oh, sorry. Famous Seymour. Mm-hmm. Audrey 1 is... Or like she talks like my name is Audrey One. I don't know why they call me Audrey One. Mr. Mushnik. Mr. Mushnik. Mr. Mushnik. When I was out one night, suddenly Seymour is standing beside you. You don't need no makeup. Don't have to pretend. Suddenly Seymour is here to provide you sweet understanding. Seymour's your friend. Nobody ever treated me kindly. Daddy left early. Mama was poor. I meet a man and I follow him blindly. He'd snap his fingers me I'd say sure Suddenly Sima Is standing beside me He don't give me
this feeling last till forever Tell me the bad times are clean washed away Please understand that it's still strange and frightening For losers like I've been, it's so hard to say Suddenly Seymour Suddenly Seymour Stay. Stay.